Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than having a pack of vice versas. Do you remember them? My name's Ash Rose, your host, your guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast. And we're back properly, properly show. Like I hope you've been enjoying what we've been doing in the last few weeks. There are a few more of these to come. Our still Alive and Kicking kind of spin-off kept you busy over the summer while I was on holiday while my person I'm about to introduce was on holiday as well so hopefully you are enjoying them but that's that's getting back I've missed his face I've missed his voice I've missed his 90ness Mr Ed Chambers from the Football Tavern hello you hello Ash good to uh good to be back good to be back doing this I've been uh, I've been looking forward to this for the uh past week or so if I'm honest with you it just seems like an age hasn't yeah. it since the um we took we took the summer off uh because of well childcare and what have you holidays and that and um it feels like we've been on pre-season <laughs> and um i feel very energized and ready to come back with a live and kick in we've got obviously you've got we've got great guests lined up today and you know others to come in the coming weeks which is which is really good so yeah i'm good mate how are you I'm good. Yeah, I'm recovered yeah. from the summer. I feel like we should have done like an alive and kicking promo, shouldn't we? With the music and got in the gym and got yeah. bright, you know, yeah, yeah. And stuff. Yeah, so. maybe I'm not. I'm not sure anybody's ready to see my beard up in the shower. To be perfectly honest, like David Hurst, I don't really look like David Hurst in the shower. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, but um, David Hurst doesn't look like David Hurst anymore as much as, as I. You know. Oh well, that's a, that's a shame. But um, that's uh, yeah. So I'm still. He's probably still a lot fitter than I am. But uh, yeah, I mean things things are um, you know things are going well. To, you know, took the summer off really with the with the kids. You know, um, on you know school holidays and what have you. I mean, we survived. You know, I'm sure a lot of people that that do listen to us, um, or if anyone listens to us, uh, are, are yeah, are um, parents and they know what that you know entails. I've got three. I've got three kids. You've got two. It's it's a lot of hard work over that six week period between you and you your spouse and whatever you're trying to get everything um you know shared and making sure you got the right time off work etc and then to just try and fit in a podcast at the same time is probably a little bit yeah uh, sometimes it's yeah bit, it's too much but um, also tricky, it's good to refresh and also as i said uh, we yeah, um, still alive and kicking episodes which i was working on yeah uh, numerous projects but i brought them together yeah. for, for yes well yeah um, and i was i was listening to those on my holidays actually i listened to uh I listened to the David Hurst one because I've mentioned him already um, and a couple of others. Um, yeah. Just dropped so, the Ian Brightwell one. So if you haven't listened to that already, that's quite a long one, actually. He, gave, he was very kind of his time. Um, yeah. And if you don't have to be a man, I, I always think with those, like you might see them and think, oh, I'm not really a Man City fan or the mm-hmm. next one will be Ian Butterworth. So he's a Norwich player from that time. But there are some intertwining stories and stuff that are quite yeah and of the era and obviously we talk about the advert which is kind of what yeah. started all that project yeah i mean i mean personally speaking the club the club never bothers me no. if you know what i mean i like hearing hearing stories that i would never have heard out of that particular club or hearing about players that nearly signed or players that perhaps you thought were were good and the player you know a player for the club didn't think was was so good etc no i i enjoy them kind of interviews myself so it's been, it's been good to listen to, it's been good that the show's still been going while we've not been while we've not been here and you sir have been um incredibly busy because um you're wondering what i'm going to say now but you <laughs> um you are you are you know you 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 know you, you're in the you're in the football world as a as a day job you are 
um, as, within a group of friends, you're very modest about it. You don't sort of you don't sort of say, "Oh, look what I was doing today," or what have you. But you've been working for a national newspaper. I have well, and I was I wasn't I wasn't going to, you know, but you weren't going to say it. So I thought you'd. And how's that? How's that all going? It's going good. Yeah. So I've been doing some stuff for the Mail Online, which is yeah. an interesting change of pace. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been very good. Um, much more modern than we obviously talk about sir yeah so you're going through like a wide range of stuff and watching watching different sports and watching football i suppose which is not a bad way to earn a crust is it it's not bad they throw me a few wild cards instead of horse racing and yeah i'm not the biggest cricket or f1 fan but i'm suddenly becoming quite the asset at a pub quiz team because i can tell you about the current f1 season even though it's <laughs> so it's good your 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 f1 knowledge beforehand was like oh look there's a car kind of that was about that was about it yeah i had no idea who max for spatten was yeah literally two months ago now i know <clears throat> all you thought it. he was you thought he was belgium's left back in usa 94 exactly. he's, yeah. he's dutch isn't he i've probably now said that i've probably done well, that technically wrong. he's in between he's um is he like yeah. that in between little okay you know, yeah, yeah. Is it, is that what I'm trying to say is that my yeah, job okay. is not is not the best in that area. Um, well, no, it's a good job you're not writing about that then. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm not about, no geography websites for me, but um, no, it's good. And yeah. we've I've got some World Cup stuff for them actually coming up that has got a nineties tinge to it. So, oh, um, excellent. Well, look, we'll look out for that. Yeah, of course, of, of course, looking out for um, things with you as I do when you're writing. Of course, you had some feedback uh, recently. Um, oh, the, the man I upset. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, yeah. So I thought, I thought I'd bring that to out. the. I thought I'd bring that to the podcast and let the good people know what certain people think about you. So I've picked out my favourite one, on, which okay. you did. You did share with the WhatsApp group actually. Did, so you yeah. said you said all feedback welcome. So it comes from a guy called Andy Savage, who's got hi, a Manchester Andy. City. He's got a Manchester City badge. Um, so hi, Andy. Uh, welcome on the show, actually, at his time, if you want to tell him, Ash. Yes, totally. um, so it starts, it starts like this, and it says, uh, at Ash Rose UK, so what if Haaland only had eight touches yesterday? Now, he puts a full stop. I'm not sure if really there should be a question mark at that point, but I'm not too sure. Um, it's people like you who give journalists a bad name, which is unfair because they write decent content, <laughs> unlike you. Hashtag goon. Uh, so Andy if you are listening um, which I very much doubt because obviously Ashes are on your Christmas card list uh, get in touch with us because we'd love to speak to you Um, but I just thought that was brilliant because you know I mean there are some fantastic football journalists out there and there are some fantastic journalists out there full stop however there are some perhaps that are a lot better than others etc etc so to uh, to, for you to be in the job in a very short space of time to give journalists a bad name, I <laughs> thought you've done very well there. Yeah, I feel like I've got uh, my badge of honour there. I've got yeah. trolled a little bit, haven't I? So thank yeah. you, Andy. Um, yeah. th- that was the article I wrote. It was it was all true. I wasn't saying it was a bad thing or a good thing. But anyway, thank you for your feedback. <laughs> all is welcome. And yes, come on the show. Let's talk City in the 90s. If yeah. that era, I don't know enough about you to know if that's your wheelhouse yeah. but it's very much if you want to yeah, listen to Ian Brightwell well maybe you won't like that maybe I asked yeah. the wrong questions to yeah. Ian Brightwell <laughs> <laughs> I, thought yeah. I, I thought sorry I thought I'd bring that up Thanks. oh it's fine it's all My good work here is done he'll like um, work here is done. He'll, he'll like he'll like some new stuff coming forward I'm sure he will but um 
Yeah. So, well, yeah. Should, we talk, should, we, should we let the lessons eat? Well, they obviously know what we're going to talk about because they would have seen the title of the episode yeah. and what we're going to talk about today. Our guest has just uh, arrived in the waiting room, so we won't keep him waiting. No um, worries. But we are talking Football Italia. Now, that's not to save our memories and stuff for the episode, but it is actually something we haven't covered quite greatly on this show before. So I'm quite excited to talk Italian football. Obviously, Ed, you've got a big love, as we established on here, for Roberto Baggio, so I'm sure yep. he'll come up as well. Um, before we get into that, though, was there anything 90s covered in the in the, kind of in the in-between weeks we haven't really thought about or spoke about quickly? Um, well, since, well, since we've been off. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... I mean, so much has happened, doesn't it, since we've been off? Obviously, the Premier League started again. Manager. There's a new yeah, yeah, Chelsea manager. I know, I know. New Chelsea manager, yeah, which is uh, almost well, to be expected. Yeah. yeah, expected these days. I mean, actually, and that is one of the 90s things I've noticed. But can you, could you imagine in 1996, if Graham Potter played, I think, eight games for Southampton? Can you imagine if someone said to you that day right, that he played his eighth game and his last game? And if, imagine if somebody would have told you, you know, 25, 26 years later, that this guy is going to be the manager of... Chelsea Football Club you'd be a little bit you'd be a little bit surprised really so um but yeah I mean things from the 90s I am absolutely loving every time Erling Haaland puts the ball in the back of the net a graphic comes up on Match of the Day or Sky which shows how many players have scored so many goals in August or up to a certain point in September where we are now recording at this time of the year and um it always says all the great names, your Shearers, your Fowlers, your Owens, but always there, top of the pile, is 90s man Mickey Quinn. Now, I want to see, like, the FIFA generation of kids, right, that love Haaland and Mbappe and Messi and Ronaldo and all this sort of stuff. I want to see them Googling Mickey <laughs> Quinn, right, to see, with no disrespect to Mick Quinn, this rotund individual playing up portly, front for, yeah I was going portly for Coventry, <laughs> for, for Coventry in a in a kit back then which basically now would would look like someone's pajamas mm-hmm. um I think and there he is with a tash and the hair and, and all that and they must be thinking who the hell is this bloke but he's there every time Harlan scores you will see McQuinn's name is there in the background yeah um, I hope so. he doesn't get usurped because it's it's kind of it's yeah. kind of something that in this you know, 33rd season of the Premier League, that of all the glamour and the big names and all that that we've had in the three decades, that yeah. still there is a record that we can revert yeah. back to someone who's very much... Mm-hmm. That's what I love about it. ...a bygone era. And, That's and what it, I love about it, yeah. yeah. And it's not, and as I say, it's not your standard Shearer rights, no. founders, etc. It is Mickey Quinn, who was just in a massive purple patch at the time and was a, yeah. good, was a good striker and good goal scorer in his own right, to be fair. So... But yeah, it's great. It's been great to see that on Matter of the Day. Good old, good old Mick. Good old Mick. We, who we interviewed way, way back, deep dive. Yeah, in the archives, and that's one of the very first, maybe yeah. half a dozen, maybe dozen episodes we interviewed Mick. Yeah. Can't even remember. Maybe it was a strikers episode. I don't know. But um, yeah. he's, he's. It made me laugh because I think he did an arc. I can't remember what the line was, but he's he's very. He's the he's his favourite fan. Put it that way. Like he's, right, okay. he's brilliant because he yeah. must be. It's you know it's twenty twenty two and I'm still getting mentioned. So he says something about like I'm I could still do better or something like that. But it's quite yeah. Nice. But yeah, yeah. Check out those who don't know who he is. Um, anyway, let's let our guest in and let's talk some Italian football. I'm looking forward to this one on the other side of this.
Before we get stuck into the brand new episode of Alive and Kicking, I'm delighted to announce a partnership with the amazing Footy Devotion. Footy Devotion have a brilliant range of t-shirts, coasters, prints and mugs, all illustrated by the amazing team at Footy Devotion and inspired by the 1990s as well, with a special range dedicated to Italian 90. And because you listen to Alive and Kicking, the original 1990s football podcast, you can get 10% off your order. Simply use the code AK90s at the checkout and you'll get 10% off. That's AK90s, so AK90S and 10% off your order. Jobs are good at. Check out Footy Devotion on Twitter at Footy Devotion and the whole range. I've got a few myself. I've got the brilliant 3pm sweatshirt. I'm looking at a brilliant QPR print kit I've got on my wall. And there's loads and loads to choose from, from World Cups to clubs and many, many more. So check out Footy Devotion. And as always, keep it 90s. Welcome back to Alive and Kicking. And, and I probably should say ciao at this moment because we are talking for the first time, believe it or not, on Alive and Kicking. We covered it in bits and bobs in different when we did this week in the 90s. We covered it a little bit and for other different themes, but we've never really talked specifically about this subject. And it's Italian football, specifically Golazzo and football Italia in the 1990s. Yeah, I know what you're already thinking, and I'm going to turn to Ed straight away and say, Ed, when we talk about this era, because I think it's something that, that fans really f- feel fondly about as well. Yep. What are your what are your first abiding memories and, and of that era, of that time? Uh, I think I'm going to go for an obvious, very obvious answer here. And it's a pink newspaper and a cappuccino um, while sitting around cafes and looking at beautiful views of, of the Italian landscape. Um, you know, it came into our homes every Saturday morning and every obviously Sunday with the live games and various other points of uh, the weekend as well, as we'll probably come on to, there were eventually there were some Saturday night games and what have you. Um, but uh, yeah, I think James Richardson, <clears throat> even now when I've been to Italy on my travels every now and then, if I see that newspaper, even if I see it somewhere in London, I still have this urge to have the ability to pick it up and actually explain to somebody what it says. Unfortunately, I never got around to learning Italian. It's on like a massive to-do list, which will never happen. But um, I just have this urge to do it. So whenever I see that pink newspaper and the cappuccino, I think, uh, yeah, Mr. James Richardson, really. And even some, there was even some comical ones where he, uh, I think there was one one where he uh, he just had the, the biggest dessert in the world. And it was just, it was just there on the table the whole way through talking. And he eventually have finished by eating it. So uh, yeah, great, great days. Well, we'll speak about today and we're not alone in speaking about this. We're actually bringing in someone who not only is an expert of the field, he's written a book about the show. He worked on the show. So somebody who literally was involved in such a popular and iconic period for, for 90s football. So welcome to Alive and Kicking. Jonathan Gray. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. Well. We're very, we're very privileged to have you on to speak of this. Oh, Honour to be on. Yeah. Well, we should also say at this point as well, the reason we kind of tied it to this week is actually 30 years since the first episode, since Channel 4 first started broadcasting. So we're getting to all that. But as you're a newbie, Jonathan, we always ask the kind of, we call it the 90 CV. So we'll quickly go through that. Yeah. And you're Cholton Athletic fan, which for long term listeners of the show will know that that's from my neck of the woods. I was I was born in Greenwich. I was I raised in Plumstead. I'm a QBR fan because my dad 
was from the other side. So that's what that's the reason behind that. But I actually grew up around Cholton. Ed was not far away as well. So yeah, Ch- sum up Cholton for us quickly in the 1990s. Well, yeah, before I go on to that, I hope you went to the League Cup game <laughs> recently. At the I, I couldn't make it. I was on holiday, so I couldn't. But it was, it was, it was very much one of my, me and my best mate. He's a Joel fan. We were texting about it the whole way through. There were two unbelievable goals. Um, yeah, yeah, so I think, I think talking about that time, um, very much a established sort of championship club. Now they were, and it was sort of going to that next level. And they seemed to get to a position where they could potentially go up, and then they sort of drift off, and all of a sudden. It all changed in '97 <laughs> when they signed Clive Mendonca, and he um, he got 25 goals, and obviously that epic, the first Sunderland playoff final. There's yes. um, been another one, and yeah. then we went down, and then we came back up, and then much stronger. It was the best thing for the club to come back down that first season because they came back, and with so much more strength, and he he strengthened Kerbis's strength in so many positions. We signed Andy Hunt as well, and. But we were just, um, it was phenomenal. We had seven great seasons. And then um, Ian Dowie came in and it's been a bit of a disaster. <laughs> the Les Reed moment. Was that Christmas Eve you sacked Les Reed, if I remember right? Yeah, I actually went to, we played Wickham Wanderers in the League Cup. We actually got to the quarterfinals that season. I, it's our, our bet noir, that competition. We never go anywhere. And I just remember, I had this image. We were playing Wickham, who were third division team. And we're in the Premier League and we were at home. And Jermaine Easter scored for Wickham in the first half. Um, and then, so near the end, there were booze and there were quite a big crowd there, actually. And Les Reed caught the ball and everyone booed. It was just both <laughs> awkward. <man. laughs> and then, yeah, he, he was out of the step. And then eventually Alan Pardew came and he got us really close to staying up, but not close enough, sadly. That, that famous playoff final you mentioned there in, in 98. Ed, you were there, weren't you? I was, yeah. I was. I went with uh, I went with a couple of friends who were Charlton supporters. Uh, it was a it was a fan it was a fantastic I mean it's the best I mean this is you know let Jonathan talk about it but this is the best game I've ever ever been to and the emotions that people were going through and there was there was actually people genuinely in tears at the end it was fantastic oh it was amazing I mean the moment we thought we were going to do it because we hadn't conceded a goal for about nine matches before that game Sasha kept about nine clean sheets running and then with one nil up half time you're thinking well, keep it out another 45 we're up and then Niall Quinn scored within about 90 seconds in the second half. And then he went backwards and forwards. And with about five minutes to go, with 3-2 down, and um, Lionel Perez came out for a corner, got nowhere near it, and Richard Rufus scored. And he hadn't scored in 160 games. And you were sort of thinking, maybe it's meant to be. And then the penalties were 13 penalties scored. It was just, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. One of the worst kits ever worn at Wembley as well, that Sunderland, that horrible gold <laughs> carpet thing. I always think that's... The oh, it was horrible, wasn't it? Yeah. It was disgusting. Yeah, it was not, disgusting. Not many kits I actually actively dislike. Even the weird ones, I'm always like, yeah, that, that is um, If you could pick a 90s player from Cholton then, Jonathan, who, who would you go for? It would have to be Clive Mendonca. He, tra- he got the club to become a Premier League club and he got nasty injury, actually. The second time he came up and that was the end of his career. But he he got the club from being a mid-table club to being a Premier League club. It, it was pretty much down to him because we didn't have that goal scoring. We had about 25 goals that promotion season. 
Yeah. It's the hat trick oh, yeah. yeah, against his heroes. Against his, yeah, because he was a Sunderland boy, wasn't he? Of course. Yeah. He went back and got no end of abuse, yeah. Yeah. Isn't he a car? I think he does something in cars these days. He works on a Nissan, doesn't he? Yeah, he, yeah. He, um, he basically threw away all the money he earned in football. He, I don't know whether it was a gamble or whatever, but he ended up working in the Nissan factory in Sunderland. I think that's where he is. Yeah. A bit sad, really. Yeah, if you hear some background noise at the moment, I think um, we're talking to Jonathan on his lunch break. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> there's clearly some background noise, so I just wanted to establish that. We, we know it's there. I'm sorry about the background noise. I can't, it's the only place I can do it. It's all good. In the edit, I can bring it down anyway. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so outside of, of the valley, obviously, that, that is somewhere you return to in the 90s. If we were looking in the outside world, what, uh, what which 90s player is, is your go-to guy? Are we talking English football? Any football. Any football. I, th- I think it would have to be um, Del Piero because he, following his story when I was working in Italian football from when he came into the side as a sort of long-haired, you know, kid almost, and to see him grow from that to become, I would say, one of the top three players in that era, that Channel 4 era. I mean, he watching him develop as a player was just phenomenal. I would say... He was the player I, I looked up to the most in that time. Yeah, and I assume you had a big stay then that he's uncovering your book. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's obvious, isn't it? It's so, uh, it's so visible. Um, I was looking for the right image, and I went through, I, I looked through, I was on Getty, and I saw an image of Totti when Roma won the Scudetto, and, and it's Scott Battistuta in the background. I, could, I thought that was a good one, but then I just... And then I saw this image of Del Piero, and I just thought it's such a powerful image for a front cover. It's such an iconic player from that period, and it's just got so much sort of emotion and drama in it. I thought that was the one to go for. Yeah, that was good stuff. Right, if you're a fan of Italian football, not for listening, you check out Jonathan's book, Goal at So, um, it's on Amazon places. Um, but that, that's, that's deep diving then. I mean, from what I remember, we're talking early 90s, the Italian football. Guy, but very loosely, got a slightly new company. They, of course, they did show a bit of it. Then Channel 4 bid for these rights. Now, from from what I've read previously, and when I wrote the the Alarm Kicking book, I I looked a bit into this that Gaza had a bit of a say into saying why Italian football wasn't on uh, terrestrial TV. And I don't know how involved he was in the original stuff, but they bid 1.5 million. But which is such a tiny amount of money, even even like in those days for, for the rights and to show them ahead of the 92-93 season. Obviously, Gazza had gone there with Lazio, Des Walker was there, David Platt was there as well. What are your first, Jonathan, abiding memories of Italian football on TV at that time? And how did you come about working on the show? Okay, so um, basically, um, we'd all enjoyed the Italian 90 World Cup, which England done so well in. So I thought... There was a sort of connection between Italy, the stadiums, which everyone has seen two years earlier, and going to semis, etc. And then Gazzle went to Lazio finally. And back then, I would say almost Serie A was more dominant than the Premier League is now. It was the only player. Everyone was playing there. Every single player, world stars, you know, the Dutch trio, Philip Van Westen, Rijkaard, um, all the interim had the German trio, Bremen, Klinsmann, and Mateus. Uh, they, they were all out there. And then you had all the Italian stars, um, like Mancini, Viali, um, Baggio, 
all, all these heroes, Maradona was playing there. Um, and it just sort of, um, <clears throat> the first game ever, there's a lot of talk, Italian football's boring, it's this, it's that. First game was 3-0, and it was Sampdoria Lazio, and it was phenomenal. And it was just, it grew from that point. That was, It was so important, I think, for the programme to succeed, to get off to that flyer. If we'd had a nil-nil start with it, would have had sort of this is what we expected, but it just it just grew. Actually, the first um, the summer before the first season, I was actually on work experience with Christmas the production company. I managed to get some work experience there, and um, so I, I helped them quite a bit because it was like my first steps into TV. I was logging tapes and just generally helping out. And then I went to study in France for a year, and then the following summer in 93 I went I said I rang the exec producer and I said can I come do some work experience and he said yeah yeah it's all hands on deck you know the second season starts really soon and then they had a sort of team dinner and this is the most random discussion and we we're having dinner and then as soon as we finish like the main courses I said to them I know it's really cheap but is there any chance of working on the show this year and they said yeah start on Monday and that was it so you asked. Yeah. So basically, you asked the question when they had a few glasses of wine down there. Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? It's all, it's all, it's all in the book. It's all in yeah. the book. But yeah, yeah. That, that is literally how it how it all started for me. And and in terms of um, in terms of your early time on the show, Jonathan, what was your you know from it's, I found it fascinating that you worked on the show. What was your what was your sort of role? What what was your sort of day to day job really in terms of the actual show? Yeah, when I started, um, it was obviously my first season, um, and I basically my my main role was to run the tape. Like everything's on tape. We had recordings, we had our match recordings, we had a, there was a program called Novantes Momenuto, which had the highlights of the other games, and we we had recordings of that. We had all our sort of different stadium shots on on a separate section. We had all our elements like titles, bumpers, stuff, another section. So I I was in charge of keeping getting these files up and running and um, keeping the tape library in order and making sure that they were saying we've got to have a number on the spine on the actual tape. And it, it had to, I, I ran I actually ran the thing really well even if I say so myself. Yeah. And um, and yeah, so then I started editing editing bits and pieces. The first edit I did, I did um, a match edit quite early on they let me into the edit and I did Torino against Udinese which was a night game and the only goal was scored by Andreas Lenzi who you obviously remember from Forest but he was was a top striker back then it just didn't work in England but um, yeah and so I started slowly bit by bit cutting more stuff and I would um, and then at the end of the day the Gazetta edit was there were so many features. So say we did an interview with, um, I don't know, um, Batistuta. I would have to find shots for, they would give me an idea of what he talked about. And similarly for James's news, there'd be, I'd know the day before what the stories were going to be. So I, I would find the shots on the Thursday and then there'd be like this huge row of tapes in the edit and I had them all in order for the when they were going that shot that shot and I'd sometimes sit in them tape no, that shot's there and um so at the end of the day at the end of Gazetta edit there was so much to cut because we cut all the VTs for the Sunday game as well on a Friday Ken Wilson came in and voiced everything on a Friday um and I would then 
we'd have like all these tapes and two edits of the Gazetta stuff, the Football Italian stuff, and I would end up at the end of the day taking about four boxes full, double packed of tapes back to the library and putting them away while they were all in the pub. Ah. But I did I didn't care because Yeah, because you were watching you know, football. I, I was loving the job yeah. and I just I didn't care. It was yeah. so much fun. Yeah, if you if you find it if you they always say don't they if you if you find a job you love you you won't do a day's work in your life sort of thing, and you, it's, it's interesting <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you know it's, it's interesting there that you you throw in um you know you just casually threw in Ken Wollstonehome's name there but Football Italia kind of brought him back into the sort of the main stream obviously Absolutely. obviously he's a very famous commentator in his own right but he was there what was he like to work with? Such a lovely guy, yeah. massive Bolton fan. Um, we just. He was just a lovely guy. And he was, the lovely thing about Ken was that he was always interested in what you were doing and your life. So yeah. he knew I was a Charlton fan. And um, he'd come into the edit, it was, just, it was the same every week. He'd, he'd have bacon sandwich when he came in, a cup of black coffee. Then we'd start talking. I'd be editing something, we'd start talking. He said, Oh, we're Charlton playing tomorrow. And we'd have a chat. Then he'd talk about Bolton because he was a massive, massive Bolton fan. And so then we just chat, and it was just fascinating. You know, he was an RAF hero from the war, and he'd seen it all, and he got into TV commentating-wise, and just, just you know, an iconic figure. And he was just, but the loveliest guy. Like, he would, no, no um, sort of arrogance about him. He was, it was just like talk, sitting down to, to a lovely guy, and that's, that's who he was, and he was just so lovely to work with. Well, obviously, James Richardson's another name that's... And I'm kind of fascinated with the James Richardson story because, actually, not unlike how you got into working on the show, he was like a... He was a runner or a producer. He'd never done on-screen TV work before. He was... He was, he was an, an AP at Sky. I mean, he came in. I think the original idea was to have Gazza presenting the yeah, show. Yeah, I read that somewhere, yeah. Who's... That would be... That, that was never... That was never, never, never going to happen. So James just went into it and when you look at some of the really early features he did oh my goodness he you know he looks quite nervous but he was just he grew into it so quickly and he was um brilliant and i think part of the success of football italia was second season when we had james in the stadium because when we had peter just in london doing the doing commentary Having James, you just got that Italian atmosphere and you could just feel like you were there and feel the energy and the passion from the stadium because it is, it's so different to England. It's just the singing starting from sort of still from half an hour before kickoff. They're all singing and they've all got scarves and flags and you just got that real raw emotion when, when we had James in the stadium. I mean, where did that whole theme that like we mentioned it at the top there come with James being outside a cafe? With the Gazzetta della Sport, walking around the city, he was going to be presenting. Yeah. Where did that? Because it was kind of at the time. I think we'd say, you know, despite being such a fun decade, football coverage was still of an era. It was I want to use a better word than stuffy, but it was kind of of that. Nothing was kind of magazine. Where did the idea to get James have this kind of I, friendly flavour from? I, I think James lived in Rome. But there was no sort of set or anything. He was, in a way, I guess, he was almost like the intrepid traveller in a way because he had that look, you know, that whole ice cream papers, 
everyone it, it just worked it's just one thing that just worked and he would just sort of up and down the country he'd go and he showed he'd go to all sorts of places you know the north south sicily sardinia um and it was just sort of almost adding to the charm of it was seeing these places that you know not everyone would have seen and you know these far-flung corners we interviewed your jokayev when he was at inter and I don't know why he was in Sardinia, but we interviewed him by the beach in Sardinia. And it's just taking the show to those places that people might not have seen. It's just, it was part of the attraction. You know, we're sitting at home, it's November, December days, it's dark at four o'clock, it's cold, it's wet. And you're seeing oh, the programme we're bringing you from Italy and it's blue skies and like one week he'd be in the mountains. And we do some links with him in, in Sestria and in the Alps. It was just just different stuff. And that's, that was, the, that was the secret to it. Cause we, we brought sort of the color as well and, of Italy and it just, it, it all looked good and it all looked bright and refreshing and, and lovely. I mean, especially, um, sorry, I was just going to say, especially as you said at the, at the outset, Jonathan, about coming straight after Italia 90. I mean, we've got a lot of fondness for Italy just because of that tournament. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly you're, you're bouncing straight in, not only are you bouncing straight into showing it on Channel 4, which was completely novel. I mean, Channel 4 had no history of showing football whatsoever. and But then also at the same time, you're hitting terrestrial at exactly the same time that Sky are launching the big, the big brand of the Premier League. So you were almost the alternative. I mean, you know, some people didn't have Sky um, or what have you. Um, so the Super Sunday game was not a thing for them, but Italian football was, um, you know, and I you just know, found it, I just found, I just found you got your market just at the right time, basically. And the thing was, is that Premier League wasn't the beast it is now. It was in its infancy and the games were sort of, there were a lot of games, which uh, Man City, Southampton, you know, for example, you sh- Man City, Southampton, Swarbrick and Sky, and we're showing the Milan derby. And there was no comparison. We were offering the only free-to-air football. It was the best football in the world. So colourful. There was just nothing not to love about what we were providing. And it was free. Oh, my my always Sundays used to be at my nan's when I was growing up. We'll go to one of my nan's and we'll do that. And as you grow up, you get to an age where you you're bored and you're looking for something to do. And my nan didn't have Sky and football Italia became that out there. And I think that's the same for a lot of kids growing up at that age. Kind of, we didn't, you know, we're spoiled in this day and age where we can. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting hearing you talk like that because back then family Sunday was Sunday lunch football Italian there was no football like there's games all afternoon now on Sunday there was until Sky came in there was no football on Sunday there was nothing and we captured that market and it was really good because this the slot was just after lunch and Sky was until four o'clock and it just it just grew from there and people people loved it from being free football there was no there was no football on TV it was just so different I can imagine that you you must have been very popular amongst the Italian community that actually settled in the UK, because they probably not had um, they probably not had any football from home for for a long period of time. And you probably go somewhere and the the Italians you know go walk into an Italian restaurant or something. They probably loved you all. Oh, they loved it. No, they you know it was just it was a taste of home, but it was also uh, the power of the league was just it was just another level. I mean. 
I, every game we showed almost, you know, you'd show, um, obviously, you show Milan, we had Dutch trio, then later on, where Shevchenko, you had Inter, you had the three Germans, although they left by that point, but um, Bergkamp came in, then Ruben Soto was an absolute star for Inter, incredible player, and then you had Ronaldo come in, Juventus mm. had Viali, Badger, Del Piero, um, and that's you had Signori, Roma had Totti, I mean, Batistuta was at Fiorentina. All these clubs, Vieri, at Atalanta had Vieri at, at one point. They had Inzaghi. You know, mm-hmm. every single club had a star. And that was what the strength of it was. It wasn't just the top clubs. You go the whole way through the division. And all these teams had stars. Yeah. The one I always remember growing up, and, and because he sounded even more exotic, but I, I knew of him because of watching... Football Italia, and that's George Weyer because he wasn't at yeah. the World Cup because got you know God hadn't yeah Libya sorry hadn't um, you know had never been at a World Cup so he was not when I'd never known of him on a world stage yeah he this beast of a player yeah you remember you remember the goal on on uh, against Verona in the second season mm-hmm. I'll tell you a story about that goal um so I was doing the analysis which back then we we recorded on tape it wasn't like it is now tapers so we would I would cut different bits of analysis for each incident during the game then I cut a closing montage and Milan so it's all about first day Verona got a goal up Milan came back with 2-1 up it was fine so up to George Ware 88th minute scores the best goal in Italian football for I don't know how I mean one of the ultimate great goals and, and so today as we record this Jonathan it was actually yeah, it was it was yeah and so then I'm, I'm thinking, please don't score. This is going to cause utter chaos. I mean, just don't score. And a great run, great. Don't score. So obviously, perfect finish into the corner. Straight back into the other. Look up. Badger scores, makes it 4-1. And it's just first day of the season. It's utter chaos trying to get everything <laughs> up. It's just madness. Yeah. I, I remember being so excited when George Ware came to the Premier League. Obviously, he did, it was the end of his career, and we didn't quite mm. see the George Ware that we'd seen in Italian football. But that that window gave me, the, the, you know, to see. And on, and then going back to the Saturday morning show with with James as well, you also had the stars on that. But something that you probably wouldn't see so much now. People will, will fondly remember the skits that James used to do. Like there was Gazza with a snake. There's a famous clip of him and Lombardo, um, Tilly Lombardo dancing. Mm. Yeah. Right Lombardo. Yeah, doing the Lombardo. Yeah, and there's there was one there's one I saw recently as well with um, Gianluca Vialli, which I think was in London, where yeah. sort of James does this sort of joke about a great looking bald guy, and that you think he's talking about Vialli, and then he's talking and about you himself, know, and you know, very very funny. You know, the girls have seen were screaming, "It's Gianluca Vialli!" Yes. They were literally they were people who worked in the office. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Where did but, that, um, those sort of ideas come from? Because like the access you had was kind of unbelievable if you think about it at the time as well. I mean, how willing were these stars to get involved in kind of the fun? I tell you, it's interesting. I think they were happy to speak to us because we had a we had a perfect Italian speaker, and it wasn't going to go out on Italian TV. And they felt like you know we can say stuff that we couldn't say to an Italian broadcaster. Yeah. So they do an interview with us. It will go back to England. They never see see it again, and. I think they felt sort of um, more trusting of us that, you know, it wasn't going to go wall-to-wall coverage in, in Itali- Italian media mm. and TV. I think they sort of felt, I'll do this interview, but I'm not hearing anything about it because it's going back to England. So 
it's not like in this day, you know, I can imagine now if we did the show, it, all these clips, these funny links, et cetera, be all over social media. Yeah. But um, that was that was the beauty, you know. But there were times when, you know, we, um, we, we, we were trying to get an interview with Battlestudent or at Totti or whoever it was. And you speak every week, you speak to the press office, oh, call me on Tuesday. Call, you, call me on Thursday. Um, we might, but I doubt it. Um, so, fine. Call them on Thursday. Um, no, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. And then Friday will come. Uh, yeah, Francesca will speak to you this afternoon, three o'clock at the training ground. So, it, it, James could be anywhere. We could be filming something completely different to the show, and then you literally have to get in the car and leg it, or get on a flight at the last minute. It, these players will suddenly be available for us but there was no saying when they'd be available we just literally you got a world star so you just had to get there um anyway just one other thing on a completely different subject sort of um sort of office life on the production um you may remember that when we did gazetta we had like the menu what's coming up in show we had these like headlines going up and down the screen like sort of play on words um like i did one um, when George West scored two goals, I said up, up and away. So it will go from the bottom in green, white, and red to the top, and they go across. And yeah, <laughs> um, basically, it went around the office on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And if anyone got one that was used to the show, they get a credit. That was the deal. So some finance bloke could come up and say, "Oh, it was, that's that's a great one," and um, and the producer would say, "Yeah, we'll go with that," and they got a credit. <laughs> just like that. Yeah, just like yeah. That. <laughs> as if they worked <laughs> on the show. So just, just, the, just going back between the difference between obviously now and now and then, which is what we kind of do a lot on this this show, looking at the 90s, is that I can't imagine a world where, if I get this right, was Paul Ince dressed up as a chicken? Was there was yes. there a scene where Paul Ince is dressed up as a chicken? Maybe I read that in your book, I don't know. But I was like, could you imagine turning around yep. to say Declan Rice? Now, the sort of same position in the England midfield tech. Declan, what we want you to do for this show on Saturday is just dress up as a chicken. Would you mind doing that for us, please? You wouldn't get the same response. You might do from and Declan Gazza, Rice, but you wouldn't from the press office. Gaza, <laughs> uh, Gaza, we did one with Gaza where James was running him a bath. And Gaza, and um, James is standing there in his house whatever. and then he says to Gazza your bath's ready now and then Gazza walks past him flippers and a snorkel I mean, <laughs> I mean Gazza was one off wasn't he yeah. really really was. one. but they all they all did it um, um, so James would get even though the language barrier with some of these players back then was a hurdle um, we'd have um, Gianluca Vialli um, um, pretend to be uh, in a wig so the whole joke was have you seen this ball guy who's supposed to meet me at the training ground at 11 o'clock? And he goes, no, no. And then he, he says, well, tell Gianluca Vialli, he's a great player, maybe, but he's rubbish keep time. It's time for Ken. <laughs> and then Vialli whips us and goes, that was close, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> it's just brilliant stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, just the Lampada was brilliant. And he just got them to do the most random things. It was just, it, they were comfortable in his presence. So that's what it was all about. What was your, if you, you could pick them out, your highlight of working on the show, Jonathan, both as a production point and a moment from on pitch, like you, you'd never forgotten? I would definitely say from a production point, um, going out to Italy, I went out four or five times and we had the Golden Month competition winners. 
So every like two or three times during the season, we get a trip for two. We get four groups who'd won. So say September, October, November, December. So just for Christmas, we take a group out there. And I went to see. I'd never I'd never been to the San Siro, and I went to see Interplay Lazio when Lazio had um, Mancini and Salas and. I don't know where the areas are, I can't remember. Anyway, Lazio on 5-3 at San Siro. And it was just the atmosphere. I mean, you can imagine the Interfans. <laughs> but it was just amazing just to just to be at a game. And I've to I've been to games since. And it's just, it's still now it's just, the atmosphere is just hasn't changed. And it's almost the show is still still there. And, and actually now since now COVID's sort of restrictions have gone now um and fans have been led in the stadium the crowds have come back because people have missed it so much you know mm. milan and intergang 60 70 000 roma selling out people events even selling out every week people just want to be back there and it's almost like it's coming in a way that it is a bit more fighting it now you're looking at napoli last night you know it's just it, it does seem to be that sort of great energy returning which i hope um, i hope yeah. continues Although into were absolutely destroyed by Bayern last night. So yes. Bayern looked Bayern looked pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> the music as well, um, Jonathan. I mean, that's something that stayed when when fans talk about it as well. The, the Golazzo. I mean, where does that come from? And also, Golazzo. Clarify this. This isn't a was that a made up word? And because that some people used to think it was Lazio. Some people used to think it was Gaza. Something to do with Gaza. Where did Golazzo come from? It's, I mean, go Lacho is great goal. Um, go Lacho is not a word. <laughs> and I'm sure it was to do, it was before I joined, but I'm sure it was, a, it must have been a play on words with Lazio because yeah, obviously, it Gaza, to, but yeah. it was go Lacho was the, was the, was the great goal. Word. So, Ash, um, yeah, yeah, Ash, I don't think there's a kid like our age, right, that didn't say go Lazio on the playground yeah. when they scored a goal because. It, everybody thought it was Goal Lazio. And then, like, you get one clever kid in the class that go, no, I think it's Goal Lazio. And you're like, are you sure? But actually, it is. And then, obviously, we discover it's not even a word. So there you go. But, um, no, it's not <laughs> yeah, yeah. And was there, was there a certain points, Jonathan, where you you looked you looked at a set of summer signings? Um, I'm probably thinking of Ronaldo here. Did you look at a set of summer signings and think, do you know what? I cannot wait for that season to start. Yeah, um, I think, um, oh God, I'm just going to touch my head now, but um, I think Ronaldo was, was a big moment in yeah. the decade because he, the Premier League was becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. But then, I mean, he was he was the, the Messi of his time, or the Ronaldo, because, not Ronaldo, but the Brazilian Ronaldo. It was, the transfer went on and on. And, and I think, the season before in 96 to 97, James's news, he wasn't in it one week through about the last seven months. So it's just this long-winded transfer. Moratti trying to do the deal with Barcelona. And we, we had to obviously put shots of Ronaldo. We, had to, we actually did some Spanish football back then. So we had the rights to show Spanish football in our explaining about Ronaldo. And he was a massive game changer because he was just, I mean... You talk about complete striker, but his pace was, I mean, nothing like I've ever seen. He could take free kicks. He could head the ball, score headers. He just had everything. I mean, there's that, 
iconic goal he scored against Lazio in the UEFA Cup final when his legs are sort of the stepovers. It's just mm. insane for going around the people and scoring. And just, he, it was another level signing and it, it sort of showed the sort of competitiveness of the league. And it was, it was a massive moment when he signed. When, sorry, Ash, I'm sort of taking over the question here for a second. But when, when he did sign, um, it felt like a big moment for Inter Milan in the fact that you thought that they could win the title. But obviously, the title, the title race that year was between Juve and Inter, and it sort of went right to the right to the wire, um, with Juve wow. eventually winning out. But there's it's that game. It all came. It all came down to that game in in Turin, which right. is. Extreme luck. I don't know whether you remember it. But yeah, I was going to say, for those that don't remember it, if you want to just take us through it. But, uh... It's a very iconic match. So you had Juventus, um, well, what, I think they were topped by one point. And it was week 31 of 34. So it was a huge game. I mean, this was Juventus win. They're pretty much there. Inter win. They're the favourites. Draw anyone's. And, you know, Packed same 65,000 in Sharina, and it's just the atmosphere is just electric. And James is there, and it's just, it just, it just, it was probably the biggest game we showed in the context of everything. And Del Piero scored a sublime goal in the first half, and then they just sat on it and they knew they had that, that they just defended, defended. And then the infamous Juliano Ronaldo coming together, no penalty. Goes the other end within 15 seconds. Del Piero goes over to Rivo West penalty, and it it was just the most controversial moment. I think um, I think if it happened now, I think it would be taken back to VAR, and Ronaldo would have got penalty. But it was um, that that whole episode um, caused so much trouble. The next day in Parliament, politicians were having fights. That is how controversial it was there was punch-ups in parliament because of this because of this decision and it's just it's just unbelievable and it, it it was just um there was so much bubbling beneath the surface and well, events is being favored back when moji was in charge by referees and it, it was sort of the the beginnings of the storm that became Calciopoli. um and it that it wasn't so much the decision, it was the general feeling. Earlier that season, Juventus played Udinese. Udinese had a ball about foot over the had a goal about foot over the line when it was nil-nil, not given. Juventus won four-one. The week before, two weeks before that, the intergame, um, Empoli had a header against Juventus when they were winning one-nil, went over the line, not given. Handball in the week before against Lazio, not given. And so there was this massive undercurrent of anger even before this game. Um, but the other thing to tell you about this whole time was that the following week, Inter's next two games were against Piacenza at home and Bari away. And they got one point from both of them. They lost to Bari, they drew at Piacenza, uh, home to Piacenza. And that would have added so much pressure on Juventus because I think the next week after the game, Juventus drew. So it's still, even at that point, still could have been tight, but it almost like it completely blew the wind out of it into sales and, and Juventus. But it was the best season we had, I think, because the whole drama, two phenomenal teams going at it every week. 
just to finish, because I know we've got off the time. Do you think, Jonathan, that there's a market for a show like that? Now, I know we would work with the amount of coverage that yeah. we get, but I don't think it's Italian still gives the play. Especially at that period. Do you think it would work in today's game to see a bigger yeah. stage for Italian football? I do. Um, I just worry whether things have changed so much. Um, I think sort of the era of racism and violence in Italian stadiums, I don't think it's quite as bad as it was a few years ago. Um, it went through a very bad spell, um, sort of 10 or 15 years. It was, it was awful and big, hugely shameful for Syria. But I think, I think you know what? I think there will be, I think people will watch it. Yeah. But I don't know, is it better? The thing you've got to ask is, if it wasn't as good, would it take away, would it tarnish the memories of it? Um, I don't know. But I think if it were in the right hands, it could work. But people these days are not interested in budgets for that kind of show. It's all about getting shows in which they can broadcast. And yeah. I think if it, if, it, if it found the right place, to do that kind of show, I think it could work. And I'm sure, I'm sure Jane would like to turn the clock back. But what do you want Channel 4 uh, to do it? Like, just to kind of go back, get the four logo in the Italian colours that we're all used to seeing as well in the tree colour. I mean, it would just be, it'd be so amazing to see James. I mean, I don't think, as a broadcaster, I don't think James Richardson's used enough as it is. I'm a big fan of his style, his style. He's a great broadcaster. Oh, it's amazing. Edward, Edward, I would watch that. Yeah, I would. I think um, I think the issue probably is, I th- is, is this probably why the show ended up closing in the, I think it was early 2000s, that the pendulum had probably swung so far towards the Premier League and with Sky, you know, Sky were also showing sort of Barcelona yeah. and Real Madrid. It felt like they were playing each other every five minutes in, in competition um, in La Liga. Um, I think... It does feel, and if we talk modern day for a second, it does feel like Italian football is on the up a little bit. I mean, Jonathan's already mentioned the game, where as we recall this, the game last night between Napoli and Liverpool, where, you know, if, if Napoli would have scored seven, it probably wouldn't have been unjust. And, you know, there is on the up, you know, the AC Milan and Inter Milan seem to, well, obviously, but AC Milan seem to be coming back into the, into, into the four. I mean, there is those great names, they seem to be on the rise again. Um, I think, you know, it is on BT. I think you can, you know, you can watch it and stuff. But also, I think, I think there is a need. I think there is a, I think there is a calling for it. It just won't be as great as it once was. I think that's the, that's the thing I'm trying the, to say. And yeah, and I think, um, you know, talking about the league potentially being stronger, Rome won. I know it's the Conference League, but they won that last year. You know, mm. back, the reason I think it went from Channel 4 is... The Italian teams were doing so badly in Europe and they were they were getting outplayed by the Spanish and English sides. And then you added the racist element and yeah. crowd trouble. It wasn't a good look for Channel 4 and I think that's why they decided to pull the plug. Jonathan, it's been a pleasure. Wait, just cheap, quickly uh, plug your book for us if anyone want to know even more about Italian football. Yeah, um, Golazzo, Golazzo Football Italia years. Take yourself back to the 90s. There's lots of memories. It's on... Amazon for nine ninety nine, Kimball Store for seven ninety nine. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining. If people want to talk to you on Twitter, Brilliant. follow you, Jonathan, on Twitter. Brilliant. Oh, thanks so much, guys. It's lovely, lovely.
Good stuff. Uh, Ed, where can people drink at your tavern that's now reached over the 10k mark? You've kept that one quiet, haven't you? I have kept that one quiet. I'm not, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know why I've kept it quiet, but yeah, um, we've actually reached 11,000, would you believe? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I just thought, you know, you've got to get, you've got to get these things right. But um, Are Are you the football tavern? I am, yeah. Sorry, I should have wow. said that at the start. I am, yeah. So, uh, wow. yeah. So, uh, Brilliant. Um, yeah, at, really yeah, you can follow me at, I always get this wrong, don't I? At Tavern Football. Yes, it's at Tavern no, Football. No, I know it. I follow right. it. It's oh, very really good. good I love well, it. I love thank it. you very much. Thank you. That's very no kind of you. <laughs> thanks, guys. I better get back to it. But um, lovely to chat. Yeah. And thanks so much. Yeah, nice to meet you, Jonathan. Cheers. And you, take care. Cheers. Bye. 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 Thanks. Cheers. That was Jonathan Gray. This has been alive and kicking until next time keep an eye out for more episodes of still alive and kicking they are coming in the can and we'll be back next week with more 90s nonsense from myself and ed but until then as always keep it 90s